Welcome to the Bagwell Center podcast. This podcast features lectures and symposia hosted by the Bagwell Center for the Study of Markets and Economic Opportunity at Kennesaw State University. The Bagwell Center's mission is to provide a platform for an interdisciplinary study of the importance of markets and economic institutions in regard to resource allocation, entrepreneurial activity, economic prosperity, and improved human welfare. Through extracurricular outreach activities such as guest lectures, film screenings, workshops, fellowships, and reading groups, the Bagwell Center places an emphasis on educating students about the foundations of market institutions and examining the related impact of government policy in a mixed economy. For more information about the Bagwell Center and its programs, please visit coles.kennesaw.edu slash econop. Hello, everybody. Good morning. There'll be a multiple choice quiz after class. <laughs> what is the best way not to, or whatever? Well, thank you, uh, Dr. Matthews, for inviting me here to Kennesaw State University. I'm Chris Novoselic. <clears throat> and thank you, Dr. Swint, for, uh, for your remarks. And uh, I know where you're coming from as a student because I went to college. In 2010, I jumped in um, my nephew's car on September one September morning and he was going to go register for community college and so I jumped in with him like a nut and I went in and I tested and I actually started to go to community college and I went for a whole year and uh, then I got I was driving home I had this really long commute back and forth to school and there was this sign that says earn your degree in your pajamas Washington State University online and I'm like wow that's really cool and so I, I, I applied and I got accepted to Washington State University. So I did an online college for like five years. I did six year, one year community college and five years of online college. And I really stuck with it. I went to, I take like two or three classes a term. You take four classes in, in our terms. And, um, and I did a lot of traveling. It was really good because when you're in a band, you have a lot of downtime, right? So Charlie Watts said, when he, he's played in the Rolling Stones for 50 years and like 49 year, years of that was waiting around because you're, like <laughs> you're like backstage and you're waiting to play or this and that. And so as you know, as students, there's no such thing as wasted time. So it'd be like, hey, well, Chris, it's going to be a couple hours until I'm like, hey, fine. And I had my textbook right there and I would study away. So I know where you're coming from and I appreciate you all taking your time coming here to this symposium and, and listening to me speak at least. So I got involved in, uh, how did I get involved in like election reform and politics? Well, it was like what Dr. Swint said, uh, you know, I can't help you, son, because you're too young to vote. Or, you know, <clears throat> coming out of this like constituency 25 years ago in Seattle, Washington, young people, young musicians, and we were not politically connected. We didn't really participate. I voted in every, my first election I voted was in 1984. I was 19 years old. I voted for Walter Mondale for president, and uh, I was walking to this union hall in Aberdeen, Washington, under this giant portrait of Lyndon B. Johnson, just like looking there, and I went there and I voted. I didn't know anything else about the ballot or anything. But so we got this music community, and uh, we were, we, it was really cool. We had, there was a lot of support, a lot of, we, a lot of a really healthy community, but at the same time, we were just getting oppressed by the state of Washington, by the city of Seattle. There's censorship bills in Olympia and the legislature. The Seattle had this teen dance ordinance where you were an adult, ages 18 to 21, you couldn't go see a live music event, 
okay? <clears throat> so we started to get involved politically. Like, how do we change this, okay? And then next thing you know, Seattle music is like the most popular music in the world. And people, uh, city councilors said, I just came back from a trip in, in Australia and everybody asked me about your band and Soundgarden and Pearl Jam, <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and like, well, can you, will you change our, this, this teen dance order? And she goes, yeah, we're gonna work on that. We're gonna do it. Because they finally realized that our music community is an asset and not a liability. And um, it took a lot of work though, meeting with state agencies and this and that, and I, you know, I'm not gonna talk about that too much. But, so, <clears throat> that's where I got my civic education at the time. Like, well, how do you work a bill? How do you <clears throat> work with legislators and how do you build a coalition for change? And it was, I found it very fascinating. And I also found there was a lot of frustration, a lot of disconnection, a lot of legitimate like beefs that people had against government and their representatives. And so I was really naive. And there was this one uh, state senator, and she was just rabidly against the music industry. And she really wanted to like shut us down with this terrible censorship bill. And like, well, hey, why don't we just run someone against her? And they're like, that's not gonna happen. It's like, why is that? Well, she's in a safe seat district. I'm like, what's a safe seat district? It's like, well, the people who drew the district, they kind of packed these certain kinds of type of voters in. And we saw it in, in the previous slides. They're like, you know, what, is, what are these voters? Well, certain types of these voters, they get packed in this district or they'll crack another district where there's another type of voter and they'll just put just enough of them to be in the minority in this district and just enough of them to be in the minority in the next district. Okay, so they're like packing and cracking districts. And I'm like, well, what do we do about it? Well, I, you know, just do the best you can. And I didn't accept that. This was like in like 1996, 1997. So at the time, I had a search engine. I was on called Alta Vista. <laughs> yeah, Alta Vista was cool, it worked, you know? And I had uh, word searches. Oh, and if you're ever on the Microsoft campus, because I'm from Seattle, never say like, because I talk to Microsofters like, oh yeah, check it out, you should really Google that. Like, oh no, don't say that. You should word search it, or Bing or whatever. So anyway, I don't get paid by Google, so I'm not gonna say, you know, Google it or whatever. But anyway, let's not go there, but. So, I started doing these word searches, and I would put in voting reform, democratic reform, elections, and there was this one group that came up, only one group in the United States, FairVote, the Center for Voting and Democracy. And it was really fascinating for very many, for very many reasons. Like, like the chair of FairVote at the time was John B. Anderson. Now he ran for president in 1980 as an independent, and he had a very iconic campaign and he captured the imagination of a lot of voters. Like in the, the, that summer of 1980, he was like in the like 25, 30%. He was very, he could have he got elected. And then uh, <clears throat> he didn't after a while for, for a few reasons, but one of them was, was the slides we saw earlier about the rational voter choice. It's just like, and so the election was between John Anderson, the independent, the indie, Okay, because I've come out of the independent music, the indie music world, alternative music, so I thought, this is really cool, John Anderson's indie. I couldn't vote at the time, I was like 15 years old. But, you know, when I first discovered Fair Vote, like, well, John Anderson's this indie dude. <laughs> it's like, it's really cool. So the election was like Anderson, Carter, and Reagan. And then, from, from what I'm told, 
back then. Like I've talked to so many people like, well, I voted for John Anderson, but people would also tell me like, yeah, I wanted to vote voted for Anderson, but I just did not want to get Carter reelected, so I voted for Reagan. Or I really, I really wanted to vote for Anderson, but I just did not want to elect Reagan, so I voted for Carter. So there's this whole like rational choice thing, okay? And so then fair vote, here's, you know, John Anderson is the chair of fair vote, and I look, and they have these proposals. They have the two proposals was for ranked choice voting and proportional representation. And so what's ranked choice voting? It's a system where you like, <clears throat> you can rank your preferences, and we saw examples of that earlier. So you could have said, hey, I'm gonna vote for uh, Anderson first, I'm gonna vote for Reagan second, I'm gonna vote for, not even have a third choice, I don't care, I'm not gonna vote for Carter, or whatever your preferences are. See, there's so many different, voters, types of voters we've learned this morning. And so how do you count the ballots? And so you just, if someone gets a majority of the first choices, they're elected. And if there's not a majority, then you just drop the last place candidate and that candidate's second and third choices are redistributed to the two remaining candidates. This is like, so say if we were, uh, right now, if we were gonna elect a, a president of this meeting or a chair of this meeting, and if we did the old runoff way, where we have multiple ballots, and so we have five candidates, and then we cast a ballot, this is the old way, and everybody votes, and then it takes about 10, 15 minutes to count the ballots. They come back and they say, hey, we have a winner, they won 51%. Or they come back and say, we don't have a winner, we gotta pass out another ballot again. Okay, so then everybody's here fussing around, whatever, get our ballots, talking, whatever, everybody votes, collects the ballots, go here, you know, goes there, count, count the ballots, 40 minutes later, they come back, we have a winner, they have a majority, because those second, you know, second choices were redistributed, and some people had to have a second choice again, right? Anyway, you've, you've voted like this, so I'm not gonna go into it. It take, sometimes it can take like three hours, and people gotta split, I gotta go to class, I gotta go to the babysitter, I gotta go have an appointment or whatever. So why didn't we just give somebody one ballot that just says your first choice, second choice, and third choice, and just do it on one ballot? Okay, so that's ranked choice voting. And that's how, uh, I, I was just fascinated by that idea working with fair vote and, and uh, discovering fair vote and the second uh, uh, reform that captivated my imagination was proportional representation and it goes back to the single seat winners again that lady who was really hated the music community wanted to shut us down in her safe seat she wouldn't necessarily have a safe seat because there wouldn't be these single seats that were drawn by a redistricting commission in Olympia there would be like these multi-seat districts. There'd be like three seats up for election, okay? And so we could rank them as, as candidates. Again, it's a similar system, but it would take 25% of the vote to get elected. So there would be the anti-music people could elect somebody. The pro-music elect, uh, say three candidates in a three-seat district, the anti-music people would elect somebody. The pro-music uh, people would elect somebody. And then the kind of like, well, we're okay, you know, maybe music isn't our big issue. <laughs> Would they elect somebody too, okay? So that's what proportional representation is. It's a, like a shared representation. And it, what it, it gives voters more power. And so, and like, is that a parliamentary system? It's like, no, it's not. And I get, and I had to ask that question. And I learned it, it's just like, people's like, there's a difference between a parliament and a voting system, a parliament is a form of government. They have a parliament in the United Kingdom, in Westminster, but they use this our type of voting system, a single member district, 
where whoever gets the most votes wins, and that's it, okay? But they have a parliament, Bundestag in uh, Germany, they have a different system. They have a mix of that. They have a, a single member district, but then they have this proportional system where you only need like 3% of the vote to get elected, okay? So you have these, like, and the, so with what Fair Vote is uh, proposing is like, <clears throat> there's proportional system, and it's, a, it's an American version of it, okay? So it's not a parliamentary system, it's not a, we have the same kind of government, we just have a different time of, type of voting system. So in Europe, Israel, uh, uh, Italy, a lot of these countries, it's a low threshold to get elected. Like these Euro systems, it takes like two, three percent of the vote to get elected. America, we have this. United States, we have proportional voting, but it's a lot, could be a lot higher threshold, 15, 20, 25 percent to get elected. So we have more conservative version of proportional representation. And then our version of this kind of voting is like, it's candidate-centric, where if you go to European countries, you just vote for a party. And for better or for worse, Americans really don't like parties, <laughs> okay? They love them, love, it's kind of a love-hate relationship, but you can see the American version is like a candidate-centric. So I learned about these uh, uh, voting systems and I, I, I joined FairVote. I started to work with FairVote and uh, it was in early 2000s, I was, became the board, I was a, became a member of the board and in uh, 2008 I became the board chair. And so, you know, going to school, I play in two bands by the way and my new record's coming out next week, so check it out, plug, plug. I should have the video, we're gonna take a minute here to watch my new video. <laughs> Anyway, and uh, <clears throat> I wanted to go to higher, I wanted to go to like graduate school or get like a law degree, and like a fool, I joined two bands, not one. <laughs> Remember Al Pacino? They keep pulling me back in. <laughs> like, just when I want to get out, they keep pulling me back in, but so, uh, but I kept a constant thread of doing this, this uh, election, election reform, and uh, I think it's really needed now in the United States, and we, we like there's a gerrymandering case. The United States Supreme Court's going to decide here in a few weeks. Uh, people, I think people really recognize that we as voters in the modern world, we need to have more choices, and that we shouldn't be put in these districts just as a result of, they say, geography, but what happens is, is you have political insiders consultants, partisans, and what they're doing is they put us in these districts. We have a redistricting commission in Washington State. We've had it since two, 20, 30 years now. And what happens is, is the legislators, the leaders and the legislators, they hand, they cherry pick who's gonna, it's a bipartisan commission. They cherry pick two Democrats and two Republicans in a so-called independent, like non-voting uh, uh, chair of the commission, and then what they do is they basically they cook they cook the maps. And there was some really good investigative reporting by the Tacoma News Tribune about the uh, 2010 redistricting, where they said, well, first of all, under the Public Open Meetings Act, they they found tons of emails from legislators from all over the state. Their fingerprints were all over those maps. Okay. And then, they were, then there, was, there was public testimony, there was hearings around the state, 
Then at the end of the day, there was a deal cooked up behind closed doors. What the, what the reporter concluded, he said this very gently. He says, it seems like our state's redistricting commission has brushed up against the edges of the pu uh, Public Open Meetings, Open Meetings Act, okay? So it was an insider deal, and we, it was basically, <clears throat> it was gerrymandering. It's good, you know, we have a good, it, they're good-looking maps, and we have some competitive races, but I think in the end, the voters can decide who represents them. And if we go to a proportional system, then most people, most voters will have a, have a voice in the, in the state. Like for our state legislator, legislature, say if you had a three-member three district, you would have more rural Democrats. In, in like Eastern Washington, there'd be two Republicans and one Democrat going to the state house. Urban Republicans, you would have in places like Seattle, in the Seattle metropolitan area, you'd have more Republicans get elected, okay? Because that's what the voters would want, and there would be space for third parties and independents, okay? You gotta remember with a, with a, with a system like ranked choice voting in multi-member elections, there's, it accommodates independent candidates. And it's uh, good for political association. You could have a party could nominate, say, two or three candidates. And, and not split the, split the race. There's a study of uh, ranked choice voting that was in Pierce County, Washington. And, and that's part of questions, right? This is before questions. That's before questions. Oh, good. <laughs> I'm like, I, <laughs> anyway, there's a study in Pierce County, Washington uh, by the University of Washington of ranked choice voting in Pierce County and how they had this partisan version of ranked choice voting where the parties could just nominate the candidates however they wanted to. So they had their, they used a precinct committee officer system to nominate these candidates. And Democrats nominated two candidates for uh, county executive. And one was a, a lefty labor candidate and one was a centrist kind of a, you know, centrist Democrat, business Democrat. And the Democrats won the election. And the centrist, the centrist Democrat won and, uh, <clears throat> but that's what the voters wanted. If you look at the way the voter preferences are and what, what voters did, she was the second choice of more voters, okay? And so she won. But then, of course, it got really, the elites uh, conspired against us, the sore losers, and this and that, and we had problems with ranked choice voting on that side. But if you look at the, the, the uh, scholarship of it, the election actually went um, very well. And where was I going with this? So, and, uh, another thing is what, like when I was uh, growing up with Nirvana and the, and the band, we were part of this punk rock music scene. And we were young people, uh, we were connecting with other like-minded young people and we'd find each other out and we were kind of freaks, you know, we were punk rockers or whatever. And then we didn't wait around for like the state or corporations government to do things for us. We just did things ourselves. And we had this like do-it-yourself music scene. And we had a, a network, a community, uh, all around the United States. And there were bands, there was media, there was fanzines. This was way before the internet. We'd have Xerox, uh, Xerox copies of, uh, you know, all kinds of, fanzine they call it, magazine fan, fanzine. And so we had this like DIY, it was called do-it-yourself music ethic, okay? And we made this beautiful music scene, and it was really cool. It was kind, and it was there. There was the, that anarchy, a like anarchism, 
okay, not anarchy, which is chaos, it was anarchism. It was the idea of being independent from the state or corporations and making your own way, and for people and groups and communities to find meaning and to find ways to take care of themselves, okay? It was a very collaborative thing. And so I've always kept that with, with part of my uh, politics. And so in 2004, well, I've joined, I did two things in 2004. I joined, well, in 2003, I joined the Washington State Grange. And I don't know if there's a Georgia State Grange, but this is like a really old uh, grassroots, like farmers group. It was founded in 1867 in nationally, and in Washington State, it was founded in 1889, two months before statehood, okay? But so I got into that kind of grassroots, and then I joined, also joined the Democratic Party the local democratic group and got, uh, was doing like grassroots democratic party work. And I eventually became the county chair, the chair of my county uh, uh, democratic uh, committee. And so I would go to state, count, uh, state meetings. So I learned a lot about how political association works and uh, working in groups of people. And then it was a kind of an uneasy fit in some ways being a Democrat. And, but then I just really got burned out on the Democratic Party because I, just so much of the lack of imagination and, and I saw that basically I was volunteering for a super PAC. I was volunteering for a soft money laundering group, okay? And I just didn't feel right. And so I had my DIY ethic and I'd say, hey, why don't we do, <clears throat> Okay, this, like the state Democrats, they wanted to have these partisan primaries and have this, the, uh, um, the, all our, our candidates being nominated on, these, on the public's time and dime, okay? And then that got shot down by state voters and we got stuck with this nonpartisan ballot with this thing called prefers party or whatever. And I, that's a whole other lecture, okay? So I was saying, it was like, well, why don't we be a party and why don't we nominate candidates like this? we'll have this uh, a, a thing called a firehouse primary or an unassembled caucus, okay? So every precinct committee officer, we set up shop at the church basement or the Grange Hall or the fire hall, whatever we have our, those weird uh, presidential caucus rituals, okay, time-consuming rituals. Instead of that, we'll set up here and we'll advertise and we'll have vo our voter, our candidates could run and they could have YouTube videos or whatever you know, like promote themselves, put ads in the paper, knock on doors and say, the Democratic Party primary is gonna be from 10 o'clock to uh, four o'clock on Saturday. And so you show up, you sign this, sign in and say, yeah, I'm affiliated, the declaration of affiliation with the party, I'm a Democrat, say thank you, here's your ballot, the ballot box is over there. So the voter comes in, casts a ballot, then splits, okay? And just Democrats weren't really interested in that. It's like, and it was such a good, I thought it was a good system. You have a religious obligation on a Saturday. You have to work. You're traveling abroad. You're serving abroad, whatever. We could, we could have mail-in ballots. We could have internet, whatever, you know, so, something like that. And the Democrats were just like, they weren't interested in it at all. And so I'm like, wait a minute. Is this, but isn't that what a political party is supposed to do? We're supposed to nominate candidates. This candidate, is the voice of our party. They are our ambassador to the general public on the ballot of our needs and values. Like, shouldn't we like say who that person is and do it in an openly transparent 
democratic way, no party bosses, no brass ring, no uh, super, super PAC, uh, uh, get, you know, it's just like, it's grassroots politics. And it's just like, they weren't into it. And I'm like, well, you know what that feels like? That feels like being in a bicycle club, but nobody rides a bike. So like, hey, I show up with my bike, and like, hey, we're gonna go for a ride. Nah, we're not riding today. Like, what are we gonna do? We're gonna talk about this new bike. It's got this cool gear thing. Okay, or it's got these cool kind of bearings on the tires, you know what I mean? Like, all right, or a book club that doesn't read, <laughs> right? What book are we gonna read? We're not, we don't read, it's, we just kind of talk about books. <laughs> just, but we never read them. We just like, you know, it's just like, all right. So it just seemed like it was wasting my time. You know, oh, and in Pierce County, Washington, the Democrats colluded with Republicans and all the special interest groups that, that flourish under the covers of nonpartisan elections, okay, they all colluded to get rid of it. And it was like, wow, the Democrats are, and I, I told them this, I go, so I'm, we're in this rescue boat and we're trying to save you and we're throwing you a life raft and you're shooting back at us trying to blast us out of the water. You know, it was, I don't know, it was just really frustrating. But, so, I guess in conclusion, I, don't, I want to take your questions, but in conclusion, so I got, became interested in these voting systems, ranked choice voting, proportional representation, those things, because I think there's a lot of potential for grassroots participation, for basically people taking democracy back. Uh, right now we have a system that's, that's tilted towards special interests, there's the usual suspects in Olympia. I'm sure Augusta is a, the, no, it's a, Atlanta, the Athens. What is it? Atlanta. Atlanta's the capital. Okay. <coughs> See, I might have bad geography. Augusta is the Augusta capital. Augusta was at one point. Augusta's a, uh, Maine, okay? Augusta's where the Masters is. Okay. okay. <laughs> Augusta's the Maine, is the capital of Maine. And, uh, well, you know, in Olympia, I follow Olympia a lot. And, uh, following what's going on in Washington, D.C., and it just seems like there's a lot of, uh, just the in, these insiders run amok, and they, there's a lack of transparency. Uh, people, um, <clears throat> I think we can have a, a more political association if we really wanted it, especially because with social networking and political association are so uh, related. And uh, with that, I'll take your questions, so we can be interactive. And I ended right on time. Look at that. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Bagwell Center podcast. For more content like this, please be sure to subscribe. And for more information about the Bagwell Center and its programs, please visit us online at coles.kennesaw.edu econop.